Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Um, man, I'm so excited to preach here today, and I'm actually going to continue the series that you guys are in. Um, you're studying the life of David. It's the king before the king. And so today, I'm going to continue that series. And so if you have your Bibles, would you open up to 1 Samuel chapter 18? Maybe you have it um, on paper. Maybe you have it on your phone. We're going to have it on the screens. I'm going to open up my iPad. Thank God for technology. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 6, and I'm going to be reading out of the message paraphrase today. It says this, it says, As they returned home, after David had killed the Philistine, that's Goliath, the women poured out of all the villages of Israel, singing and dancing and welcoming Saul with tambourines, festive songs, and lutes. In a playful frolic, the women sang, Saul kills by the thousand, but David by the 10,000. This made Saul angry, very angry. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they credit David with 10,000s and me with only thousands. Before you know it, they will give him the kingdom. And from that moment on, Saul kept his eye on David. And then the next day, an ugly mood was sent by God to afflict Saul, who became quite beside himself. Raving. David played his harp as he usually did in such times, and Saul had a spear in his hand. And suddenly, Saul threw the spear, thinking, I'll nail David to the wall. David ducked, and the spear missed. This happened twice, and now Saul feared David because it was clear that God was with David, and he had left Saul. This is, this is pretty incredible. We see that twice. Saul threw a spear at David, and David ducked and walked away. And this didn't happen just twice, but in the next chapter, almost the same exact scenario. David's playing his harp, is doing his thing, worshiping God, and Saul throws a spear, and David ducks three times and walks away. Today, I want to talk from the idea of, and if you're taking notes, you could write this down. What do you do when a spear is thrown at you? What do you do when a spear is thrown at you? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We don't want to do anything apart from your presence. God, we are a presence people. So right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just draw near. Would you make us more aware of your presence? And God, I pray that you would speak to hearts, you would heal lives, and you would set some people free today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Have you ever done something, and then right after you do that thing, you think, where did that come from? Like, like if you're worshiping at church and then you get in the car and you're driving home and you almost get into a car wreck and all of a sudden a four-letter a four word comes out of your mouth that you did not intend. You were praising God one minute and then you're like, where did that come from? Devil, I rebuke you. I remember when me and Sierra were first dating, um, we were in downtown LA and we were walking and I'm trying to be the man of her dreams, tough, strong, and we're walking and all of a sudden we walk past this chain link fence and I hear this dog bark. Without thinking, I just book it and run. I look back and Sierra standing there like, wow, you left me? I was like, man, I didn't even plan for that to happen. That just came out of nowhere. Uh, I remember growing up, I loved going to theme parks and amusement parks. And there was one part of the amusement park I was never allowed to go to because I was a pastor's kid. And we didn't just, my parents didn't mess around with this stuff. I was never allowed to go on the haunted house ride. 
Like all the rides at Disneyland, go. Haunted house ride, no. I was never allowed to. It wasn't until I was a grown man married that I made the choice for myself to go on the haunted house ride. Some of you are like, I cannot believe you did that. I'm sorry. Um, I remember this one time, we were never allowed to go on those rides, but I was in middle school and we were at Universal Studios in, in Hollywood, California, and the Mummy movies were coming out. You know, the Mummy movies, Brendan Fraser, great actor. No, that's a joke. He's not a great actor. Um, but the Mummy rides were, were, came out, and they had this, like, haunted maze ride based off of the Mummy movies. And I was a middle schooler, and I said, Dad, I know we're not allowed to, but, but please, just please, will you let us go on this ride? And my dad finally relented after me asking over and over. So we're going on this ride, and it's just the, you know, basic jump scare and, like, makes you kind of nervous. And we get to the end, and my dad's walking in front of me. And you should know this about my dad. My dad is from Louisiana. He's from the South. So he's like raised different. And down in Louisiana, they're a little bit crazy. And at the end, all of a sudden, this guy dressed like the mummy pops out and like screams and scares him. My dad doesn't do the normal person thing where you're like, ah, I'm scared. No, my dad makes a fist and punches the mummy straight in the face. And this guy who's getting paid minimum wage is like, dude, really? Come on. This is my job. My dad was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know where that came from. His response was simply a revealer of what was already building up on the inside of him. He was scared. And in that moment, he just responded. And oftentimes when we feel attacked in life or we find ourselves in difficult situations in life, our response in those difficult situations are simply a revealer of what is being built up on the inside of you. So that didn't come from nowhere, but that was a buildup over time that in that tough situation, we see the response. What is your response? In this story that we read today, we see two responses from two different kings. We have the kingdom of Saul, King Saul, and then we have King David. One kingdom is built on good looks and, 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 and charisma and outward appearance. One kingdom is built on what God looks at, the heart. One kingdom is a physical kingdom. The other kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. One kingdom is built on rebellion. The other kingdom was built on obedience. One kingdom was temporary. The other kingdom was eternal. One kingdom represents the systems of the world. The other kingdom represents the kingdom of God. We see two different responses from two different kings that ultimately revealed the heart of both of those kings. First, we see Saul. Saul is there. He's sitting on the throne. And, 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 and we must understand that in this story, we have Saul and David. They are not the central key figures of this story. It's actually the spear. The spear is the central figure of this story and the spear to both of these kings meant two different things. We have Saul first. To him, what did the spear represent? The spear represented a weapon in which he used to defend the kingdom that he thought was rightfully his. 
He used it as a weapon to protect himself from anyone who would try to steal the kingdom that was his, that would try to question his authority, that would try to come against him. So to him, a spear was a weapon. And we see that Saul is sitting in his throne room holding this weapon, trying to protect the kingdom that he established, trying to protect the kingdom that is built on his own giftings and abilities. And then we see Saul's response is to throw this spear. But that did not just come out of nowhere. There was a buildup to the throwing of the spear. What led Saul to throwing that spear? I believe it's four things and we find it in the scripture. One, it is what he heard. Two, it is what he said. Three, it is where he looked. And then four, finally, it's what he held. First, what did he hear? It says that it says that the women be, began to flood the streets and began to sing a song saying, Saul killed his thousands, David killed his tens thousands. And they're singing this song. And we must understand in the original Hebrew poetry, what they're saying is not a comparison saying one is less than and one is better. What they're doing is saying that together they've killed a lot of people and together they are awesome. It was a song of celebration, but to Saul, because his heart was off, what he heard was a song of comparison. Know this, when your heart is off, it distorts your vision of everything else. So because Saul's heart was not for God, because he was the center of his kingdom and God wasn't, everything else was distorted in his life. So something that was actually positive to him became negative. How often does this happen in our life? What we choose to listen to because our heart is off is distorted and all of a sudden we get agitated and irritated by something that should not affect us. I want to ask you today, what are you listening to? Because what you're listening to ultimately is what's building up on the inside of you. To him, he began to listen to the opinions of people. He began to look at what, is, what are people saying about me? He should have been worrying about what people say about him. If he was established by God, he should only be worrying about one thing. But to him, he was worrying about what people were saying. And he began to get jealous. He began to become all about him and himself. It's what he heard. And then next, it says that Saul began to mutter under his breath. Look at them. They're singing about David, saying, I only killed a thousand. He killed tens of thousands. Before you know it, they're going to give him the kingdom. Man, that shows you where he thought his power came from. He thought his power came from the approval of people. If your kingdom is established by the approval of people, those same people can stay, take your kingdom from you. But if you understand that your kingdom and how you rule and reign in this life was not given to you by people or the opinions of people, it's given to you by God, then no one can take that from you. You see, to Saul, his throne in his kingdom represented his identity his value, and his purpose. And to him, it came from people. And because it came from people, they could take it away from him. But notice, it wasn't just what he heard. He began to come into agreement with what he felt. I want to I challenge you, church, be careful what you speak into agreement with. Because we were given the power to create worlds through what we speak says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. 
So whatever you choose to come into agreement with, you're either building a kingdom of death or a kingdom of life. And notice this, it's not just what he said aloud, but it's what he muttered under his breath. Those are the dangerous words. Be careful. Because no one hears you, but you are still building a kingdom. When you walk away from an argument with your spouse, we've all done this, and you mutter that thing that you wanted to say under your breath. Although you didn't say it aloud, you've said it, and those words are just as powerful. What you say in secret still has power. So this began to distort Saul's vision. It began to distort his mind. And then next it says he put his eye on David. From then on, he kept his eye on David. A young boy wasn't the king. A servant in the house. All of a sudden, his focus was on him. His focus should have been on God. His focus should have been on leading a nation. But now his focus is on a person. Do not let your motivations in life be about a person or a situation that happened or for the approval of people. Take your eyes off of people and put your eyes on Jesus. Let him be your motivation. Let him be the thing that drives you and leads you. It's so easy to get caught up and put our attention on the temporary. And he didn't realize what type of kingdom he was ruling. And then it says he sat there on his throne with a spear in his hand. The question I want to ask you this morning is what is in your hand? Because whatever is in your hand ultimately will be what you throw when you find yourself in a difficult situation. What are you holding on to? Because what you hold on to will ultimately become the thing that rules your life. He's a king. He should have been holding a scepter in his hand. He should have been ruling. But instead, he's sitting in his throne room, surrounded by guards, holding a spear, trying to defend his throne. And because he had a spear in his hand, he threw that spear. What's in your hand? What are you holding on to? Is it a fence? A fence because of something that happened to you or something that someone did to you. If you're holding on to it, Ultimately, it will become the thing that rules you and the thing you use as a weapon, and it will end up hurting the people around you. Bitterness. Prejudice. Trauma. Let me touch on this. We've all experienced trauma these last year and a half, and some of you have experienced trauma from your childhood, and it's become something that you hold on to and has given you identity. And ultimately... As you hold on to it, trying to find some sort of justification, it will become a thing that continues to bring destruction not only to your life, but to the people you love around you. What is in your hand? When we come to Jesus and when we enter into the kingdom of heaven, we are required to come with empty hands. And whatever spear you're holding on to, if you want to walk in the kingdom and the lineage of David, it starts by laying down your spears. We got to understand this though. To let go of something doesn't mean to deny the reality of the thing that happened. Yes, the pain is real. The hurt is real. And we can acknowledge that. But we can also say, God, I surrender this thing to you. So yes, the abuse that happened is real. 
But as believers, now we have the opportunity to surrender that to God. Even when that person doesn't apologize, even if they never acknowledge that they were wrong, if we don't surrender it to Jesus, it will become a spear. And you'll find yourself in a situation where you're like, man, I don't know where that came from, but it was in your hand and you used it as a weapon. What do you need to let go of today? I'm not saying ignore it. I'm not saying forget about it, but find healing and surrender. What do you need to let go of? So we see what led Saul to that response. And then he sees David sitting there is that what was in his hand, what he was looking at, what he was speaking and what he was listening to led him to throwing a spirit, David. We live in a time and a place where it's easy to throw spears. But God is not establishing his kingdom by spear throwing. He's building the kingdom that David led, not the kingdom that Saul led. Then we see David. David to him, the spear was not a weapon that he was using, but it was a weapon that was being used against him. Have you been on the other end of the spear before? This, this is David's situation in reality. David was a young boy, the youngest in all of his family. And you guys talked about last week, the anointing of David. David spent the majority of his youth and adolescence alone and in isolation with just the sheep. But being alone, it heightened his other senses. He became aware of everything that was happening around him. And also he became aware and sensitive to the voice of God. He knew who his God was because he was able to get quiet and alone. It's a challenge to us in this modern society. Getting quiet and getting alone is one of the most difficult things. Even when we say we get alone, we usually have music in or some podcasts playing. Learning to hear the voice of God could save your life. So David was a young boy, anointed king, didn't ask to be anointed, but was chosen by God. Found himself fighting Goliath, not because he wanted all the attention or the fame, but because he knew who his God was and what his God could do. He defeated Goliath. People started singing songs about him. He never asked for this. And then he finds himself serving in the courts of the king, leading worship, playing his harp, doing the things that he does. Just trying to be a good person, trying to be faithful, here to serve. And yet he found himself in a fight he never asked for. Man, how many of you can relate to that? This last year and a half, a fight we did not ask for. Division we did not ask for. We're just trying to be good people. We're just trying to go to church, be faithful, give, serve take care of our family, but yet we found ourselves in a fight, just like David. And some of you even right now, you're like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna have my job a week from now. This is not a fight you didn't, it's a fight you didn't ask for. You find division in your family. Some of you are dealing with situations with your young people and you're like, I just don't know what to do. I'm trying to be a good parent. I've done all the right things, but I'm finding myself in a fight. That's where David found himself. He didn't ask for it. But he's playing in Saul's kingdom, serving the king who he loved and respected. And all of a sudden, that same king is throwing a spear at him. So all of a sudden, Saul throws that spear. But because of David's training, his senses kick in right away. 
He goes into that like other mode. Everything goes into slow motion. He sees the spear flying at him. And because of his warrior instincts, he's able to duck and the spear sticks in the wall. Any normal person at this time and place, and I know you guys are from the East Coast, so when someone tries to fight you, you don't back down from a fight. Like, I love the East Coast. It's so different than California. Californians passive-aggressively fight. It's super annoying. East Coast, you know what you're thinking, and I love that about you guys. Any normal person, if someone throws a spear at you, what do you do? Grab that spear out of the wall. David, with his warrior training, would hurl that spear right back at Saul and best believe David would not miss. And in an act of justice and righteousness, David could have taken that spear deservedly, throwing it back at Saul, and he would have killed him. And guess what would have happened? Everyone would have celebrated. They would have sang more songs about David. He would have become king. He would have ruled the nation. He would have done a great job. But in the end, he would have found himself sitting on a throne holding a spear because his kingdom would have been established by the spear. Whatever you establish on your own, you have to defend on your own. David didn't do that. What did he do? The spear was thrown. He ducked, walked away. Not once, not twice, three times. What do you do when you feel attacked? Duck, learn to duck. Don't let that thing hit you. Duck and then walk away. Before you post, before you respond, one of the best advice I can give you is learn to walk away and get God's perspective on it. Choose to honor when you feel attacked. Choose to bless when someone curses you. David chose to walk away three times. But then it got to a point where it was too toxic, too abusive, and he needed to leave. And yes, there are moments when that needs to happen. And maybe some of you are in that situation right now. But David's response was an eternal kingdom response. And right now in culture and in society, we have two ways we can respond. We can respond like Saul or we can respond like David. And there are four things that caused David to respond the way he did in that situation. And these four things, I think, can help us on how we respond to when we feel attacked right now. And, and it will help us begin to move the church forward and, and, and let the church become the church. We don't play by the, game, uh, the, the rules of the world, and we're not trying to build the systems of the world. We're building an eternal kingdom. But we have to live like David. These are the four things that helped him respond that way. One, first thing. He had a word from God. He knew that Saul to, uh, Samuel told him one day he would be king. He got a word from the prophet. And so in the in-between season, even when he was being threatened and attacked, he knew that God had given him a word. And because he had a word from God, he knew that his God always kept his word. When you have a word from God, it will get you through the most difficult times. When all of the world falls apart, if you have a word from God, that's something you can stand on. When you feel attacked, if you have a word from God, that's something you could build your life on. It's a foundation. 
I want to encourage you, believer, get a word from God. You don't need a good idea from people. You don't need motivation from a motivational speaker. You need a word from God. If you don't have one, find one. God speaks to us through His Scripture. But in times like these, we need a church that is standing on the Word of God. Because the Word of God will get you through a difficult time. And here's the thing about having a Word from God. God always fulfills His promises. So if God said it, we believe that He's going to do it. We don't understand how or when, but He will. And even when everything else in culture is saying the opposite, we know God's word. Get a word from God. Jesus says we do not live off of bread alone. We do not live off of the opinions of people on Instagram. We live off of the word of God. Build your life on the word. He had a word. Second thing, he understood Oh, wait, no, let me go to my notes. I don't want to skip ahead. Is it okay if I look at my notes? Yes, okay, cool. Oh, no, that was it. Um, Number two, or number one, he had a word from God. Number two, he was led by the Spirit. I want you to hear me, church. God is not establishing a physical kingdom. He is building a spiritual kingdom in the hearts of men. We cannot put our trust in government. We cannot put our trust in people with power. We put our trust in God who is building his spiritual kingdom. The systems of the world will not fix the problems that we face. David understood he was in a spiritual battle. We must understand that we are in a spiritual fight. What does this mean? It means that when someone throws a spear at you, that person is not the enemy, but the devil is the enemy who's using that person. Do not vilify people. Do not waste your time waging war against people. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle in the spirit. And some of us are looking for a physical solution to a spiritual problem. David understood that he was not in a physical fight against Saul, but he was in a spiritual battle. What does that mean? You need to fight with spiritual weapons. There is power in prayer. There is power in your worship. There is power in your praise. Before you share your opinion, go to God in prayer. Learn to worship even when things get difficult. David was a worshiper. When the spear was being thrown, he was worshiping. Church, it's time we learn to worship and learn that we are fighting a spiritual battle. Man, we cannot put our focus and attention On man, if we had a different government structure, that's not going to fix anything. We are fighting a spiritual battle. And that's why I believe in the church more than ever before. Because the church is here to establish a spiritual kingdom. People are broken and hurting and lost. And the church is the place of hope. What we are building is a spiritual kingdom. And what we are in is a spiritual fight. This is why David... When a physical spear was thrown at him, he knew to grab that spear and throw it back would not solve anything. He was doing spiritual battle. He chose to honor the person who was trying to kill him. The reality of the spears that hurt the worst are the spears of the people who are closest to us. The division in your marriage is not your spouse's. They're not the problem. 
It's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. Do not fight against flesh and blood. But God can do a healing work. Too often we try to make people the problem. We need to understand it's a spiritual problem. And also, we need to look at ourselves. The problem is in here. The heart of man is broken. And that heart is in me. I am the problem. (laughs) We love to blame everyone. Oh, it's because of this that happened to me. This is why my life is the way it is. No, when we realize that we are the problem and we need a solution, and that is Jesus, we will find healing. It is a spiritual battle. Third thing. Third thing. He understood that spears do not win battles. How do I know this? He just got off fighting Goliath. What were Goliath's weapons? A sword and a spear. David runs out there, little boy fighting a giant. He says, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the armies. I can't remember the exact. He says, I'm coming at you with a greater force. I'm coming at you with something greater. The Lord Almighty, the name above every name. He understood how battles are won. When spears are thrown at us, we need need to understand that our victory will only come through the Lord. It does not come by might or power or strength, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Understand this. Today, whatever situation you're in, I need you to hear this. God is fighting on your behalf. You do not have to fight on your own. You don't have to work harder, try harder. God is fighting for you. What we need to learn to do is let go and put our trust in God. He's fighting on your behalf. It says that Jesus is in heaven right now, interceding on our behalf. God is fighting for you whatever situation you're in. So we need to remind ourselves, throwing spears won't win the battle, but we need to trust that God will win our battles for us. This isn't passive, by the way. This is true battle. This isn't ignoring the problem. This is fighting a different way. And the fourth and final thing in the band can come up is that David, I want you to get this, David understood where his authority came from. His authority did not come from the approval of people. His kingdom was not established by his own gifting. He understand that his authority came from God. So therefore, he walked in humility. One of the greatest things we can learn to do as believers is understand where our authority comes from. It doesn't come from our opinions. It doesn't come from how we say something or don't say something. It comes from God. And that as believers, we walk in a greater authority. And because God has given us this authority... That means only God can take it away. But if your authority, your value, your purpose, and your identity was given to you by people, then it can be taken away from pe- by people. And you have to spend your life defending it because they gave it to you. Know that your value in this life doesn't come from the opinions of people or how people treat you. It comes from a God who created you and loves you. Your purpose in this life, it was given to you by God. Not your employer, not your spouse, not your kids. It was given to you by God. And therefore, 
Nobody can take that from you. Your value comes from God. It doesn't matter what people say to you or say about you. They cannot steal the fact that God created you and has given you authority. David understood this. And because of this, David knew that in all of Saul's attempts, he knew that Saul couldn't take him out because God had given him authority. So the best thing he could do was duck and not get hit and trust in God. This is what happened in the end. David became king. Saul died. And at Saul's death, you want to know what happened? His kingdom died with him. David was established by God. He died. His kingdom continued. 2,000 years after he was alive, another king arose. His name was Jesus. And at the end of Jesus' life, we actually see a similar account where there's two kings representing two kingdoms. One was Pilate representing the Roman kingdom, which was built off of the power of people, representing the systems of the world, won by battles. And then we have the kingdom of Jesus, an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of David. And I want to read this as we end. John 19, 9 through 11, it says this, Pilate, he entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you or the authority to crucify you? And then Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Whoo! Pilate's like, don't you know who I am? I could kill you if I wanted to. He didn't realize who Jesus was. Jesus in an instant could have snapped his fingers, been done with Pilate. Two kings, two different kingdoms. Pilate thought he had authority over Jesus, but didn't realize he had absolutely no authority over him. I want to say this to you. The power people have over you is really only the power that you've given them to have over you. And then at the cross, you can have complete freedom for one, from whatever bondage, pain, and hurt you've experienced. What did Jesus do? Instead of just destroying Pilate at that moment, he chose to willingly humble himself. He was beaten for sins he did not commit. He was crucified on a cross to pay the price for our sin. But he humbled himself and went to the cross. Why? Because he understood the power of the kingdom that he was establishing. It was not like the Roman kingdom, but it was a kingdom under the rule of David. An eternal kingdom. And Jesus did not build this kingdom through establishing himself as king, but by humbling himself and dying death on the cross. And while Jesus was hanging there on the cross, they pierced him in the side with a spear. And he took the spear. He took the spear. And he died on that cross. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. 
And he's alive. And he defeated death. He defeated the systems of this world. And he established a new kingdom. I want to say this. Jesus took the pain of the spear on the cross so that you and I could be healed from the wounds that we have received from spears. Some of you have been carrying a wound. You've been carrying hurt. You've been carrying pain. You've been carrying abuse. You've been carrying this. I want to let you know that freedom and healing is possible. But to receive healing, you have to be willing to let go of those spears. And some of you have been spending time just throwing spears at people trying to defend and build your kingdom. Jesus is building a greater kingdom. Whether you have a spear in your hand and you're using it to attack people, or whether you've been attacked, both of us, all of us, we have to find our way to the foot of the cross. Because it's at the cross where we become sons and daughters of the King. And Jesus wants to give you a new authority. He doesn't want you to just survive this life. He wants you to rule and reign in this life. And not under the authority and kingdom of Saul, but under the Davidic authority and kingdom that David established. We don't have to be those who live with spears in our hand, but we can rule in this life if we're willing to let go of those spears. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.